David Steves was a lieutenant in the Air Force. And in 1947, he was supposed to fly a plane from California to Alabama. He never arrived in Alabama. Uh, they searched for him for quite some time, but finally had to declare him dead. It was two months later that they found him still alive in Kings Canyon National Park in California. According to his story, he said that there was an explosion in the plane. Uh, he ejected out, and he found himself in the middle of this national park and found a ranger station, which had some food and some fish hooks, so he was able to stay alive for a little over two months. That's what he told the government, but the government didn't believe him. See, this was in the middle of the Cold War, and so they thought that he had sold the plane to the Russians. He didn't have proof of the plane. He didn't know where the plane had been, where it had, had finally crash-landed. Couldn't show them. So he was finally discharged from the Air Force, and it wasn't until 20 years later when a group of Boy Scouts walking through Kings, Cash, Kings Canyon National Park came upon the very plane that David Steves was, in fact, flying. How do you convince someone of the truth when you don't have proof. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And not just for poor David Steves who lost his job because of this, but what about us, spiritually speaking? There are many skeptics out there about we maybe take for granted in what we believe. That we believe that the Bible is true, but we don't have the proof to back it up. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but we can't prove it. We believe that there is life after death. We believe in heaven and hell. We believe in so many spiritual things that we cannot prove. Today we're going to talk about God's plan to debunk the skeptics in this world. See, God's plan of salvation didn't end on the day that Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And part of what happened on that incredible day on Easter was that God proved to the world and Jesus proved to the world that he was exactly who he said he was, the Son of God. And for the next 40 days after Easter, he appeared to what it says in Scripture, over 500 witnesses, people who saw the proof that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead, that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God debunked those skeptics, didn't he, with the proof that Jesus was the Messiah. But he knew that there would be many more skeptics in the world throughout time. And so God had an even bigger, greater plan to sh prove to these skeptics the realities of the spiritual world that they didn't grasp and they didn't believe. And he used the day of Pentecost to do that. The day of Pentecost, this very first Pentecost, was a day when many different Jewish people, the most pious Jews from around the world, would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate a Jewish festival. There were people from three different continents in Jerusalem on this day, and that was no coincidence. God had a plan in all of this. There's so many people who, who understood the promises of the Messiah but did not yet connect the dots between the Messiah and who Jesus was. And God was going to use this opportunity to do exactly that. So what does he do? He makes a miracle happen. It says in our lesson that there was a sound of a, a rushing wind. There were tongues of fire on the heads of these disciples, and these disciples were speaking 
in the native language of these people who came from around the world, and these were just uneducated fishermen. And so the obvious question that came up as, as crowds started gathering and seeing what was going on was, what does all this mean? What's going on? And some people simply explained it, dismissed it, by saying all these men are simply drunk. It's actually, if you think about it, quite an irrational explanation, isn't it? No one's speech gets better after you drink. The exact opposite happens. But that's what people need. People need an explanation for that which doesn't make sense, even if it's an irrational explanation. They need an explanation. People need proof. There are many people who I'm sure you know here in New York City, friends, family members, acquaintances, who are skeptics when it comes to spiritual things, who do not believe that the Bible is true, that we can confide in every last word that's there. There are many people who do not believe that there really is life after death, that a place called heaven really does exist. There are many people who question whether or not Jesus actually did come back to life and rise. And what they say is, I'll believe it if you prove it to me. Just let me see it, they'd say. And my sarcastic response, which I wouldn't say back to them, but I'm always thinking in my head is, would you? If I could prove it, would you really believe it? If you could see visible proof that all this happened, would you really believe it? See, Scripture reminds us that our sinful nature is so dead, our souls are so dead without the Holy Spirit that there is nothing that we can do to come to Him to believe. We can understand the words of the Bible, but to believe it is a very different thing. That's how dead and lifeless we were on the day that we were born into this world. And in order for that dead and lifeless soul to come to life, it would require a miracle. The same powerful miracle that raised Lazarus from the dead, that raised Jesus from the dead, is required to raise us from the dead. So God caused a miracle to happen to gather all these people together so that a sermon could be preached, God's word could be preached, and the Holy Spirit could work into all these people who did not yet believe. They asked the question, what does all this mean? And Peter was there to give them a response, using specifically the words of God from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And he says to them, listen, listen. What you are seeing here is not a mistake. These men are not drunk. What you are seeing here is a, pro- is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel from many years ago that all of you know. Joel always prophesied that there was going to be a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that is happening today, so that all of you can believe the truth that the Messiah is Christ, Jesus. But it's not going to stop today, he said. He reminded them the specifics of that prophecy, that the young, the old, men, women, servants, slave in the future would become prophets and have a special insight, a special revelation into God's plan of salvation for mankind. See, that, that point must have blown them away. When those people thought of the prophets, they thought of a few and very revered and respected people throughout the past. When people thought of a prophet, they would have thought of someone like Isaiah. 
who had a special insight through the Holy Spirit about what was going to happen, that this, this Savior, this Messiah, would be born of a virgin. They would think of someone like Micah, who through special revelation for the Holy Spirit, understood that this Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. But Joel was prophesying that someday many people would be prophets. Many people who had this special insight, a special understanding of God's full plan of salvation. Young and old, men, women, slave, servant, would understand these truths. And that's what happened, and that's what started on the day of Pentecost. Where people like you and me are now prophets. We have a special revelation, a more full understanding of God's plan of salvation than even people like Isaiah and Micah and Joel. Because God's word is put in front of us. And we've studied it, we've learned it. The day of Pentecost was, is considered to be, as I mentioned at the start of the service, the, the birth of the Christian church. And after this day, those visitors in Jerusalem would go back to their own country. And they would share that message that they heard from Peter with their family members, with their neighbors, with people in the city, with their countrymen, about our Savior Jesus, who is the fulfilled Messiah, who they were waiting for. And starting on that day, that message of the gospel spread like wildfire. As the Holy Spirit was poured out in a very unique and powerful way on those people. Here is my worry for us. We may not be skeptics about some of the truths in the Bible that we see. We aren't skeptics about whether or not there's life after death. We aren't skeptics about whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. We, we understand and believe those truths as, as Scripture says. I, I think that our skepticism comes in a different way, though. As we wonder and question, doubt, the power of the Holy Spirit who is able to work through us his prophets. What I mean by that is this. Do you have some people in your life, people who are skeptics, people who do not believe, who you would simply say, oh, I'm not going to bother trying to invite them to church. I'm not going to bother trying to share my faith with them because they're a lost cause. There's no way they're going to ever believe. They're just, they're just not religious. I shouldn't bother. See, when we doubt God's spirit working through us, we are no different from those other skeptics who doubt other parts of Scripture, aren't we? If believing in Jesus was based solely on a rational argument, none of us would believe. If believing in Jesus was based on those people who are most likely to believe, we wouldn't be here today. But believing in Jesus is based off of this promise that we see right here, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter told those Jews about what was really happening, that the Holy Spirit was going to go into their hearts in a special way to not only understand his words that he was preaching, but to believe that they were true. That's what the Holy Spirit did to us on the day we were baptized, on the day that we heard God's word and we started to believe, not because we were more intelligent, not because we were more open to those ideas, but because God was creating a powerful miracle in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we could understand 
just how sinful we really are and how much we needed a Savior. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we could understand how loving God is and how He sent His Son into the world, not for just the world, but for me and for you. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can understand and grasp that what brought Jesus, that, that sent him to the cross, was that he was thinking of your name and your sins that had to be paid for. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the confidence that we are forgiven and that there's no reason to have guilt on us anymore because of what our Savior did for us. That's the kind of peace that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And it took a miracle of the Holy Spirit to work that in us. And now he continues that work in you and through you. Sometimes when we talk about who do I share my faith with, um, I always mention the the little phrase, an acronym, to help me remember, uh, called FRAN. Maybe some of you have heard that before. F-A-R-N. Friends. Relatives, associates, and neighbors. You can probably think of a friend, relative, associate, or neighbor who is a skeptic, who does doubt a lot of the spiritual truths that we believe. And I want you to think of one person right now. Maybe you have somebody specific in your mind who is a doubter, who who does not believe, who's a skeptic when it comes to that. And I want you to consider and pray about that person that we can be that instrument through which the Holy Spirit can work into their soul, just like someone else was the instrument that came to us to work in our soul. You probably all have that person on your mind right now as you're thinking of them. And as you think about them, um, let's pray together. Lord God, we, we first of all thank you for putting in our hearts the Holy Spirit We were the most unlikely candidate to believe in you, but now we believe only through your power. And we thank you for the person who first shared the gospel with us so that the Holy Spirit could work through their labor. Now we ask you to do the same for the person that we are thinking of. They desperately need you, and we ask you to make us a tool to share the gospel with them. If we are not able to share the gospel with them or if they reject our efforts, use someone else to impact their lives so that they can have the same peace in Christ that we have. Amen.